0: Welcome to the New Chemist Podcast. We're glad you're listening. Feel free to download this podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, Amazon Music, and a variety of other platforms. Here on the New Chemist, we discuss chemistry, which simply put is the science of change as well as Perez Community Research in COVID-19. We're happy you're tuning in. My guest today is a good colleague and friend of mine, Kyle Wuong. Thanks for joining me today. It is so good to hear from you. Just briefly, I'll inform my audience about you. Starting off at GE as a software test engineering intern, he progressed to Twilio as a software engineering intern then he progressed even more, serving also as an omed team coach, then as a software engineer, then he served as a co-founder and CTO at Chopper, also as a fellow at On Deck, and he is a part of the founding team, and he's the VP of Product and Engineering at Overflow. He was also recognized as a Forbes 30 under 30. Um, he is really accomplished, a good colleague and friend of mine from Georgia Tech. Uh, please welcome Kyle Ngo. Thank you, Kyle, so much for joining me today. It's so good to have an accomplished guest such as you on this podcast. Just before we begin, Kyle Wu. Um, is a Forbes 30 and the 30 record me, or he was recognized under Forbes 30 the 30, as well as he's a part of the founding team and VP of product engineering, product uh, Product and engineering rather, at Overflow. Um, he's very accomplished. He was one of my buddies at Georgia Tech, person of color, um, served well, he's, he's majoring in computer science, um, really smart guy, really good to have him as a guest. So as we get started, um, what would you say have been your long-standing interest in the field of computer science?
1: Yeah, well, uh, first of all, thanks for having me on the podcast. Super excited to be on here. Um, and yeah, some of my long-standing interest in the field of computer science, like I can remember just being a kid. Um, maybe, I don't remember the exact year, but whenever like the iPod, like whenever the iPod came out, you know, I was like, I have to have this iPod. And just using it, I was intrigued. I'm like, how can I listen to music from this little device, right? And, you know, that has just always been interested in me and, you know, how these products shape society. And so, you know, for the longest, I just always wanted to be, you know, an engineer at Apple. And so as I grew up and, you know, grew older, my parents noticed that... um, you know, I had kind of like this knack for technology. And so they cultivated that through, you know, various summer programs and things like that. And that really like helped expose me to the world of computer science and, you know, how essentially you can, you know, tell a computer to do something and, you know, even like build businesses off of, you know, being able to code. And so that that has always inspired me um, and inspired everything I've done up until this point.
0: Okay, that's good, man, that's good. So, um what would you say what led to your desire to work in the field of computer science was it your upbringing was it the school you went to how did that desire come about and you mentioned your parents cultivated it, but how did the desire come about
1: yeah i would say like like that the ipod right seeing that okay. and then okay. just also just seeing all the cool things you could do about coding you know there would be like You know tv shows where you know people are fake coding but it's just still like you know that exposure and i I thought it was really cool i've always been really good at math Um, although computer science isn't like at least you know software engineering isn't a lot of like some of it uses math concepts but not on a day-to-day basis i'm not using that but i've just always been like an analytical thinker and so you know being analytical and when thinking about career paths like We like I want to say we got a computer at my home when I was maybe like six or seven years old and so like my dad was always on the computer on like AOL and you know stuff like that and so this is like new technology and so I was just like fascinated and I just wanted to know how computers work and all of and all of that so um, just like the plethora of exposure that I had from, like, having a computer at home mm-hmm. and all those other things just really inspired me to want. I'm like, oh, you can make a career by working on a computer. I thought that was cool. And then, you know, look at it today. Everyone uses computer for their day-to-day job. Cool. Whether or not you're, you know, a computer scientist or programmer or even if you're, you know, in business, like, have a strictly business kind of uh, role. Like, everyone uses a computer. And so um, I knew that's why I wanted to, you know... Be in this computer science field,
0: yeah, that's good, that's good, man. That's really good. So, um, yeah, that's really good. So, you saw people using it, you like had instances in your life where you had uh samples or examples of those technologies. That's good. So, Kyle, my question to you I think most people may see a LinkedIn profile. The question is, how have you been so successful? Um, you were recognized by uh a very notable management for up to 30 and 30. So, what? How have you done it? What has complemented to it? Can you describe to us the path to getting there, um, yeah. and how did you overcome the obstacles when you encountered them? And would you just share a brief story as to how did how did the path the path the academic path first, and then we can yeah. talk about the obstacles. Um, so the academic path.
1: Yeah. So the path. So I when I went to Georgia Tech. Um, so in my at the summer after my. Junior year, no, it was summer after my sophomore year of high school, okay. I did this program at Georgia Tech through. Um, it was called LEAD at the time. Now it's called Summer Engineering Institute, and I believe it's still around. Okay. And what they do is they bring about maybe like thirty to forty um, minority students, black and Latinx students from around the U.S. to Georgia Tech, and you're you're there for four weeks on campus, and essentially you're kind of like taking classes. And so I'm a high schooler, and for me, like even just attending Georgia Tech seemed like a reach. Like I didn't think it was possible. Uh, I'm originally from Decatur, Georgia, and not many people from like where I grew up, my high school, you know, would go to four like four year universities, let alone Georgia Tech. And so um, I had that exposure after my sophomore year of high school through that program, and they exposed us to not only like like uh, computer science but also like chemical engineering and it was more so like an engine just about engineering like what can you what are the different fields and paths you can take in engineering and I always resonated with like the computer science kind of computer devices type thing and so when I entered Georgia Tech I started off as computer engineering uh, major and which and the difference between computer engineering and computer science is that computer engineering Um, is more hardware focused whereas computer science is more software focused so I always thought I wanted to do hardware but the curriculum at Georgia Tech for computer engineering was very electrical engineering um, based and so a lot of the classes that electrical engineers had to take like digital signal processing Mm -hmm. computer engineers had to take and like I didn't really like the hardware uh, classes I've always thought I would but I, I didn't really enjoy them I didn't do the best in those and you know I I had a friend that had an internship after his freshman year at Google in Mountain View California which is Silicon Valley and I was like that's what I want to do so after my sophomore year so after my sophomore year I didn't have an internship after my freshman year but after my sophomore year or during my sophomore year I actually switched from computer engineering to computer science and I had the opportunity to get an internship at GE in like a in Salem Virginia it's a very small town uh it was a cool internship but I felt like I didn't learn a whole lot and I was and I realized the next internship I wanted was I wanted to be in the Bay Area in Silicon Valley because I just feel like that's the heart of technology and so every year Georgia Tech has a career fair and they have one specifically for the College of Computing yeah. And so uh, the year is 2014. You know, I had gone to the College of Computing Career Fair before. Every big company you could think of is there. You know, you have Microsoft, Google, the all lobby these the. You said what? The lobby of Klaus. Exactly. Yeah. And Klaus. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you have all these big tech companies, and you know, you'll wait in line for like an hour because everyone wants to talk to these companies. You're mm-hmm. missing class. And, you know, you'll wait in line for an hour. You talk to a recruiter for like maybe five minutes. Then they just say, apply online. And so it was like one of those, you know, it was just like, dang, uh, <laughs> I just wasted, not waste all this time. But, you know, I stood in line, missed class, um, just to apply online in this huge pool of candidates. So in 2014, I'm like, I was going to do it differently. So they have the smaller companies on the bottom floor. Mm-hmm. And so Twilio was one of those companies at the time. And at the time, I didn't even know what Twilio was. And um, and for reference, Twilio is a cloud communications platform. So their API um, or their service essentially powers text messages and phone calls. So if you've ever gotten like text messages from like a business or say like appointment reminders from a doctor, all of those, those they're leveraging Twilio's technology to actually send those messages out. Or if you get like those automated calls, um, sometimes people abuse it. And so sometimes there are like spam calls through Twilio, but they, oh, they really try to, to limit like they have like a fraud detection team and they're they're very strict about their policy, but of course people are always gonna abuse it. But anyway, I'm in this line. I talked to a recruiter from Twilio mm-hmm. and long story short, I'm able to finesse an interview. And Good. I get the interview and the interview goes well and they were smaller at the time and so I had to like keep following up I'm like, hey you know I really wanted this internship Persistence. and I had an opportunity from Boeing as well for an internship it would have been in Long Beach California which is in Southern California but Boeing is you know it's it's an aviation company and I wasn't necessarily I didn't want to be in ABA. I wanted to be in like high tech, you know? And so that's why I kept following up about the Twilio opportunity. And then they scheduled a few more interviews for me, which were like over like video. And I did well and I had the opportunity. I got an offer to intern at Twilio. So I interned there summer 2015 and summer 2016. And then after I graduated uh, from Georgia Tech in December 2016, um, I moved out to the Bay Area to work for Twilio full time. And so I worked at Twilio for about um, three years. And I've always wanted to, you know, pursue startups. Um, But, you know, I I was like, after graduating, I had student loans and stuff like that. And it just, I felt it would be hard to even pursue a business of my own if, you know, with student loans. And and so I'm like, okay, I want to get this taken care of. So I had the opportunity, um, you know, through working at Twilio to like pay off my student loans. And then um, there came a time, felt like I wasn't growing as much, Mm -hmm. and instead of like switching teams or like going to a new company, I'm like this could be an opportunity for me to you know start something of my own. I'm like I'm young, I don't have any any dependents, and so a friend of mine reached out to me about an opportunity that she was working on. Uh, It was her and her college roommate. It was very early. It was called Shopper, Mm -hmm. and they were looking for a technical co-founder and the idea of shopper was like on-demand delivery for clothes. So thing like Uber Eats, but for clothes. So say, yeah, so that was like the idea, but, um, and so we applied to like Y Combinator, which is a, um, a startup accelerator. We didn't get in. Um, but one thing they really wanted to understand was like, why do people need this? Right. And Mm -hmm. we just hadn't done exactly. We hadn't done the, enough customer research. And then, With businesses like that, like those kind of like delivery businesses, the logistics are difficult. You know, you have to be efficient. And then also the unit economics don't make the most sense. You know, most delivery companies are unprofitable because, you know, they're charging customers less than it really costs to actually do the job. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's why, you know, you see a lot of these companies like Uber. They raise a bunch of venture funding to be able to cover those losses. Uh, (laughs) And so um, we... We worked on that for a little bit, but we realized we weren't the right team to make it happen. And so walked away from it. And, you know, I when I left Julio, I had given myself a year to try to figure things out. And so I left Shopper after about three months. And, you know, I was just like, what's next? And I connected with. um, So when I first moved to San Francisco, there's the I went to this church. I still go to it. It's called Vibe Church. And one of the co-founders of the church had just started a location in San Francisco. The main location is in Palo Alto, which is maybe about 40 minutes south of San Francisco. Uh, But they, they, uh, the church, yeah, one of the co-founders of the church, he wanted to, they were starting a San Francisco location for the church. And so I went to the San Francisco location and had the opportunity to meet him and you know this is in 2017 so like five years ago at this point and he's yeah, you know, super nice. cool dude yeah his, um, his name's vance and so i also served at the church too like you know i served on like the capture team so i like took yeah, photos stuff like that and so i had the opportunity to work under his leadership and so he and i stayed in touch and when i was working on shopper he kind of had the idea for overflow which is what i'm working on right now Okay. And, you know, he and I stayed in touch and he mentioned this uh, founder fellowship program called On Deck. And what On Deck is, is basically a, uh, a program where you bring a bunch of early stage founders together and it's like everyone's, it's like a community of startup founders um, at the earliest stages and everyone, you know, can like learn from each other and all that stuff. So he mentioned that he had done the previous cohort and he referred me to do it for Shopper. And so while I was working on Shopper, I was in On Deck. And then, you know, after I left, I'm like, what do I do next? You know, he calls me one day and he says, hey, I'm interviewing for Y Combinator, which we had interviewed for, for Shopper. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I need some, uh, can you give me some advice on, you know, the interview? So I shared with him some advice that we learned from our, based off of like our learnings from our interview. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately he comes back, he didn't get into YC. And a big reason is that YC looks for, um, they want they want you to have a technical founder, a technical co-founder. Sure. Uh because they're like, you know, if you're gonna be able to build something, you need someone in-house that can do that. Mm-hmm. And so um he and I ended up joining forces and I joined the founding team of Overflow. And um so we've been working on and what Overflow is our mission is to inspire the world to give and we make it super easy for people to donate stock to nonprofits. Mm-hmm. And so um, most people have most of their wealth in non-cash assets, right? They may have, like, a percentage of their wealth in cash to cover, like, you know, day-to-day expenses, emergency funds, stuff like that. But so otherwise, it's in stock or, like, crypto. And, but most nonprofits are fundraising for cash, right? And so there's that misalignment. And with Vance being the CFO of the church, a lot of people that went to the church, they worked at tech companies like Google, you know, Apple, and so majority of their wealth was in stock, and they were like, "How can we give stock?" and it just wasn't an easy process. So that's how the idea came along. And then, you know, I've also, when I was working at Twilio, I wanted to give away Twilio donate Twilio stock to the church, and you know, get the, there's just like a cumbersome process. So I knew the I knew the pain point that he was looking to solve, and so it was just kind of like a no-brainer to work there and or work together. Um, But a huge thing I would say in my journey is just like that stepping out on faith, right? Mm -hmm. Where I, you know, I left Twilio and I had nothing, you know, I'm like, all right, I'm starting this from nothing. You know, I gave myself a year and, you know, shopper didn't work out and I'm like, what's next? But I eventually found, you know, figured things out and I landed on my feet, which was um, you know, a blessing in itself. And just, you know, to get to the force 30 and the 30, it's just like a culmination of hard work. Um, you know, like I always say, like, I, I, am happy that I got that Forbes recognition. And I would say like a, a list doesn't define me, but it feels good to be recognized. Right. Yes. And so like just seeing people, um, you know, just working hard, building relationships with people, mm-hmm. people have noticed, like, you know, the work I put in, like, I've like I've tried starting businesses in the past and I've, I've done it all. and uh, So it's, it's just, this isn't, I think people are just now starting to notice me, but it's, I've been doing the work, you know. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. Yeah, so
0: yeah, you bring up a lot of good points. I'm glad you shared that story. So just to touch on it, I'll kind of go uh, from where we just left off. You said people are just starting to notice you. You know, seeds are planted in the ground, but they have to become radical. The radical has to go down. And the plumule has to come up. And it has to shoot up to form the shoot, and then the primary radical goes down to form the root. So that's a, an analogy based on germination. We tend to not notice things until they have been developing or have yeah. developed a, a very obvious level. So that's that's that. Um, also, you mentioned how um, the utility of the ideas came about through the needs in the environment. So yeah, the value proposition came about through the the needs and the environment. That's good. And then, you know, um, a number of things. You said stepping out in faith. We could have a whole discussion on that right there. But yeah. that'll be another episode later on. Um, sweat equity in terms of your work experience. So it took time. In essence, it took time for yeah. you to achieve what you achieved and to develop the skills and document the majority, if I may say so. Um, to really walk in the fulfillment of the ideas and promises and the case making. That's good. It's really good. So how do you maintain a view of the bigger picture in your career and in your life in general? Do you have a faith perspective? What's the foundation on which you see your life, the lens in which you see obstacles in your career and in your uh, personal day-to-day living?
1: Yeah, no, faith is def- it plays a huge role, you know, okay. especially when it comes to startups. Startups, they're, you know, very fast paced. Um, there's a lot of unsurety or, or uncertainty. Uncertainty, yes. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> uh, I was like, what's Make your word? own
0: words. You, you've earned it. Yeah. Make so your own words. A lot of
1: uncertainty, right, in yeah. startups. And you know, is is you're literally moving by faith. Right. And yeah. you're like, you know, this is our hypothesis. This is the, the world we see, right. We see a more generous world, um, in the future. And it's like, you know, how do we make that, that vision come to pass? Yeah. And like in the day, when you're in the, you know, day to day in the minutiae, it's hard to like see the bigger picture. Um, and there's even times where I'll beat myself up and I'm like, dang, we haven't, um achieve as much as we want to achieve and there's so much more work ahead but even when i just sit back and look back where we were a year ago and the business and to where we are now it's like i'm like damn we we've actually done a lot yeah, so yeah. it's very useful you know every once in a while uh, to always like take that you know to zoom out and just look at the bigger picture as opposed to you know getting stuck in the day-to-day um so that's that's often a tool that I do use whenever you know things get frustrating it's like you know take you know take a pan out and then just you know trusting God personally you know as like being a a man of faith like knowing that things are going to work out the way they need to and you know just seeing how my path you know from college to getting out here is just one of those things where it's like even if there are some missteps I'll ultimately be re- redirected along the way just kind of like you know a gps right you're yeah, you'll be yeah. rerouted
0: yeah so, so I, again well, this is a really good conversation i feel i'm not to, to listen to this episode again because this is inspiring <laughs> so um for example you said redirection you know that's i think it's all a part of the plan and when you have a faith perspective it allows you to account for the difficulties account for the uncertainties and how i like to say it is um my personal life because i'm a person of faith as well i think um my faith allows me to parameterize or break down the uncertainty parameters in which i look at every element and i'm able to reinforce my ideas reinforce what i believe in the situation so that's that um and then also um you bring up the issue of when you face frustrations your faith comes into play so yeah that's really good really commendable. Yeah. So, how have you been adaptive and creative in the field of computer science? Where have you added your flair? Um, where do you see um, your spin on things? Um, what ideas that you thought of or implemented? How, how have they been developed? Um, yeah, like
1: so a few years ago, I, I kind of adopted this tagline um, that I'm building dope technology for the culture. Okay. And so, you know, being a software engineer and then being like a Black software engineer at that, like... Um, is very rare, you know. There's there's a lot of Black software engineers out there, but in the grand scheme, like you know, if you look at the entire pool of software engin- engineers, like we're a minority, right? That's fair. So one thing that I've w- always wanted to do is build dope technology for the culture. And yeah. so, um, when it comes to like you know work, I, I try to you know apply that different spin and you know kind of swagger, so to speak. To- <laughs>
0: In the right environments for you to thrive scientifically and intellectually
1: yeah i think yeah community is huge for me and i think um especially for everything i do i always try to find people that are like you know one to two steps ahead of me um that's able to kind of like um you know just help guide me i'm able to learn from their experiences their mistakes that they've made and also their successes and so that's huge for me Um, And then also just like friends, like, so, so my best friends, they also went to Georgia Tech and they're also out here and they're also in tech. And so, you know, they're working at startups at, you know, tech companies. And so just being able to like learn from their experiences and then just being part of like various communities. So like the on deck, like that community has been huge in terms of like, you know, just learning and growing, as well as uh, this organization called DevColor that I'm in, which is essentially like a peer-based network for uh, for Black software engineers.
0: Uh, one more time, can you repeat it? Uh,
1: it's, it's a peer-based network. Oh, peer, peer, yeah, peer, like P E E R, yeah, yeah, the okay, okay. so peer-based. And so, uh, so it's like everyone's like equal. And the cool thing about DevColor is that you know the idea is we they have they have this thing where they say you don't give advice, you share experiences. Um, Great. and so all of that stuff has been, uh, super helpful with me, like adapting, um, to, you know, this industry.
0: Good. And that's kind of the same approach that, uh, I've taken in the, in, in the information of the chemist company when it comes to pair advisors, yep. um, it's not really advice, but sharing experiences, ideas, it's almost as if information synthesis is occurring. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that's it. Information synthesis and then refining and distilling that so you produce a really good seminal product that's based off of scientific insight, business ideas and hopefully um, some good reasoning. So that's good. Um, So, uh, Kyle, I would ask you this. Um, Do you have any advice to those wanting to pursue the field you're currently working in? What's your advice to someone who sees you, sees what you're doing and probably won't be able to interact with you in person but they had this episode and they're like i really would really appreciate or i really could use some advice from a person of color who's achieved um, recognition on the forbes list who also went to georgia tech and has been proficient as a computer scientist so you speak you can speak in a lot of spaces but for yeah. that particular person what would your advice be
1: yeah so you know disclaimer no no, uh, person's, you know, everyone's path is going to be different, right? Exactly. And so for me, I would, if I were to extract like the basic principles, uh, from my experience, the the first thing is like, what's your vision, right? So starting there, understanding, you know, what you want to do, what you want to be right. And then from there creating that plan. And so for me, I always knew I wanted to do tech technology. And so that was, you know, kind of what led me to Georgia tech. Uh, but say for example, people are even, you know, going on non-traditional routes, career routes, right? Say you're trans, say you're already in the workforce, but you know, you want to navigate to engineering, software engineering, or even like building your own company. I think having like being in those non-traditional routes is totally fine. But I would encourage, you know, that person to reach out to those people that are doing the things that they want to do, mm-hmm. just to you know, gain some perspective and know if, if it's something you really want to do and as well as knowing what all it takes um, to do it. And then I think once you like do that and you're solidified on your vision, I think it's just uh, one of those, this is where you execute, right? And mm-hmm. you know, I feel like the execution, like we mentioned earlier, a lot of it's unseen. And I love when you talk, when you use the seed analogy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we can learn a lot from nature. Uh, uh-huh.
0: Oh, yes. Creation speaks.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, you know, yeah, there being, is no language. you know, once you have that vision, just executing and, you know, just having faith that, you know, you'll be that things will work out and if you know if they're meant to be and then you know you'll be rerouted otherwise so that that's essentially has been my playbook from you know start with that vision um you know find people that are doing it execute right and so that's that's my playbook
0: the law of execution so yeah that's good so what you bring up um i'm a person of faith so there's a quote in the description that says 24 write the vision make it plain so that's good that's very good um, and also, you know, I believe, or I've come to understand that many times uh, as we walk through life, though we encounter obstacles, if we have a vision in mind, it helps us to stay motivated, even when we yeah. encounter challenges. Because yep. we know, this is where I'm looking. I can think out, this is how I see it. I can think out of my circumstance or think beyond the challenge or look beyond it because I see in the distance, I see the horizon, I see the sun coming right. up over the horizon and I can right. press on towards that. So that's good. Um, What's been some of the most beneficial advice you have received? I would
1: say the most beneficial advice that I've received has been, um, I think is not being afraid to fail. I yeah, would say- fail forward. Probably, exactly. And um, I know like Mark Zuckerberg, when he was first starting Facebook, you know, they had this slogan, like move fast and break things. And I think- it's natural to have like a fear of uh, I think it's natural to have a fear of failure. It'll be human. Uh, yeah, it's human. But I think the quicker you get to failure it's the quicker you get to success. And um, pretty much success is just an accumulation of, of failures. And so, you know, the biggest advice I've kind of had is that, you know, be OK with like failing because you it's an opportunity to learn. So, I think that's like the, the biggest thing that we can take away from failing is just uh, that learning. And then the next thing is that, like, I guess a piece of advice is just that no one knows what they're doing. I feel like, you know, we're all kind of like learning, even like the, some of the biggest companies you can think of. They're put, sometimes they're put together by duct tape, like their processes. And you would think that, like, you know, these really big companies are polished, but like, no one, you know, knows what they're doing. Well, I don't want to say no one knows what they're doing, but we're all learning. Yeah, we're all, all yeah, yeah, We're all learning, and nothing you know, is perfect. Exactly, and we're all like you know adapting to um, pretty much based on the information that we have at that current moment.
0: Yeah, so I, I agree with you saying um, we're constantly iterating and improving what we're doing our practice, our mode of action, our thinking, our mental models—all those things. It, there's a lot of iteration that's going on because the world changes. Nothing exactly. stays the same. We live in a dynamic world, and for you to stay the same all the time. I don't think it compliments to you progressing and advancing in this world. So exactly. that, that's that. And then also you mentioned the thing about failure. I think evaluated experiences even when you fail in those experiences and non-repeating failures complement complements a lot of oh, success absolutely. yeah so yeah you could fail but if you repeat that presents a challenge but if you fail you address it you learn from it and you start to work around or above or beyond it I think you start to progress even more towards your vision but thank you so much Kyle for joining me today it was so good to have you on as thanks for listening we're glad you were able to tune in to this podcast. Once again, this is The New Chemist, where we discuss chemistry, which simply put is the science of change, as well as the other sciences, careers, community, research, and COVID-19. Thanks again for listening. Note, the views on this podcast represent those of my guest and I. you. Mm-hmm.